lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you've met a lot of different singers and songwriters in all music genres on this show, but today you're going to meet a critically acclaimed and award-winning opera soprano who shares an interesting story about the world of opera. Like fine wine, an opera singer's voice matures over time, which for wines is a good thing, but for an opera singer, sometimes it can cost your dream role and the notoriety it brings. After painfully being let go from the Royal Opera in a plum role because of her deepening voice, Jennifer Rowley made the comeback of a lifetime with glowing reviews in her Met Opera debut as Musetta in La Boheme a few weeks ago. She joins us today to talk about the ups and downs of a musical career, and also, this girl loves herself some fashion. Jennifer Rowley, Met Opera debut, soprano, singer, fashionista, too. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being here with us today, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. You are our first opera singer, and we're really happy to have you on our show today. Oh, yay! Exciting! Now, congratulations on the debut. Now, just take us to that night and what was going through your head when you walked out on that stage. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. I think the anticipation of it all was, uh, it was so surreal. And the entrance, I mean... My entrance as Mazetta is in a horse-drawn carriage drawn by a real-life humongous horse. Wow. Mm. So we set up on the side of the stage for my Met Opera debut coming on with this horse, and I'm in the carriage literally going, you can do this, you can do this. Wow. Oh, my God, it's going to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And then the horse just runs on stage, and it was like, okay, here we go. Let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> It was unbelievable. And what a memorable debut, too. Now, you've been through a lot personally in the last couple of years. Talk about the time when your voice actually got lower. Was that it? It's a funny thing with opera singers. I mean, well, any singer, really, I guess. Your voice changes as you age. Mm-hmm. It, you know, um, a lot of women talk about, you know, even when they get pregnant for the first time, that their voice sort of gets bigger and deepens and darkens. And a lot of singers also talk about that as they change and grow into their 30s and their 40s, your voice kind of changes and grows with you. So I started when I was in college as what's called a coloratura soprano. And that's like a light voice that can move really high and fast and you know, sing things like Queen of the Night's Aria that you hear and, you know, like the Mozart Amadeus movie and, and like the Lachme duet that you hear in all the commercials, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was singing that repertoire and I had this really great high extension and then I turned 30 and something happened Mm -hmm. with my voice and I, it's like a trap door opened and I had all of this extra richness and sound that I didn't have before. Okay. I had no idea what to do with it, you know? Uh-huh. You probably had and, a lot more color and depth and different tones you could get. Yeah, uh-huh. and even more range that I never had before, okay. you know, like really a lot of lower notes that I had never even explored before. But I still had that upper extension. I still had the ability to do the coloratura. So you didn't lose anything. You were just adding to it. Exactly. What happens is that you have to line the voice up, you know, through technique work so that the top sounds like the middle sounds like the bottom. So it's consistent all the way through your complete range. So what was happening was the very extreme high notes that I had 
for something like Clean as a Night or something like that, they were sort of one sound. Okay. And then the voice was opening below it. So I was getting these really full high Bs and high Cs, and then the voice kind of flipped over into, like, the coloratura place, I would call it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so, thankfully, I built a really great team around me to help get through that, but mm-hmm. it was definitely was a major transition. And mm-hmm. at this point, you had a role as that type of soprano. Exactly. Now, I read where the director was, you know, trying to get you to do your voice differently. And like anything, as soon as you're trying to do something, your voice tightens and you you really can't do it. Well, you know, it's like trying to fit a size 10 foot into a size 8 shoe. Mm -hmm. You know, you can squeeze it in there, but it's not, you're not going to be able to walk, you know, it just wasn't aesthetically what they had wanted. Okay. Okay. And the director, he did, the conductor, he wanted me to try to put my voice into a little tiny box. It just wasn't me. It wasn't right. Yes. What point did you decide that you needed to walk away? You know, I'm a stubborn girl. Okay. <laughs> I don't give up easily, and I don't like to quit. And I, I tried. I did everything he wanted me to do. You know, honestly, you are what you are. Uh-huh. Right. As a singer, as an artist, as a musician, as a person, you are what you are. And if you try to be something else, not real. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not presenting your best self. Yes. I wasn't presenting my best foot forward. Okay. And the Opera House knew that. And I think they just said, you know, we want to present you when everyone's going to get to see exactly what you can do and exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and they are actually guess. going to bring you back, right? Yes, I'm going back uh-huh. next spring, okay. actually. Well, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and right now we're talking with international opera soprano Jennifer Rowley. And she just made her debut at the Metropolitan Opera as Musetta in La Boheme. So after leaving the Royal Opera and kind of that downspell in your life, and before getting the new role at the Met, what did you tell yourself? How was that mentally for you, and how did you carry on? It was kind of like a breakup. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. when you break up with someone and you spend like three days in bed with like Chinese takeout and your box of (laughs) tissues and And ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're listening to like country music and it was like that. And then after the third day, you know, you wake up and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. this isn't so bad. I'm going to get up and pull myself together and I'm going to move forward from this. And thankfully, I had a job with the Metropolitan Opera. Okay. I was a cover for Desdemona in mm. their production of Otello. Yes. I was very lucky. On my very first day at the Metropolitan Opera ever, I got a call in the morning that said, the lady you're covering is ill, and the maestro would like for you to sing the music rehearsal today. Okay. And I, of course, jumped up and down for joy. Okay. And I came in, and it was the most emotional experience for me because... It's incredible music, but it really was me proving to myself, I am okay. Right. Uh-huh. I, am, I am good. I know what I'm doing, and I can come in here and sing with these world-class singers, and I can do this. Uh-huh. And I was in the rehearsal, and at one point, the conductor stopped, and I'd never met him before. His name was Alain Altingolo. He's wonderful. Okay. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, girl, you've got this. Just sing. You're great. And at that point, I was like, okay, I've got this. I'm going to move forward now. Do you think that you kind of had a depth after going through some of the darker side? 
to pull out? Well, I have to say that I learned an immense amount from that experience. Okay. I learned things about myself that I had no idea were in there. Like? <laughs> well, that I'm a very emotional person. Okay. I took what happened personally, and I really needed to learn that it, it wasn't about me. Okay. And I am who I am, and I'm proud of who I am. Mm-hmm. And going forward, I'm not going to change who I am to fit what someone else wants. Yes. And I think, honestly, that has helped me help other young singers the most. Okay. Okay. Um, I love to do lectures. I love to talk to young singers. It's mm-hmm. one of the highlights of my life right now. Me finding out that you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be what everyone wants. Nobody exactly. teaches you that lesson. No, Nobody teaches you that lesson. And it's, it's a hard lesson. It is. They're so inspired by someone who got knocked down mm-hmm. and then got back up again. Yeah. There's really no greater story. I know it's strange to say, but it makes me happy I went through it, that I could pass it on. Mm, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Talk about the interplay between the singers on stage. Do you do a different performance every night depending on what, you know, your partner in the scene gives you? Or do you keep it the same as much as you can? Well, the great part is, here at the Met anyways, for the Lago M, we are given Zaffirelli's stage directions. These are the things that Zeffirelli wanted when he created the production okay. in the 80s. Wow. So we are told exactly what was wanted, mm-hmm. where we move on stage, where we go to, where we need to be by a certain point, even some gestures, prop things, etc. So pretty and structured. Very structured, actually, for this particular production. And so when you're on stage, you're then allowed to sort of take that blueprint and make it your own. Okay. And I thankfully have a wonderful Marcello who plays my love interest. His name is Massimo Cavalletti. He's mm. incredible. <laughs> and okay. he just goes with whatever crazy thing I want to do. <laughs> okay. We just have a blast on stage every night. Now, in a show like this, you said there's a lot of structure. So is mm-hmm. it easier when it comes from a point of more structure to find your interpretation of it? Or is it easier when there's not as much structure? You know, it just depends on the director, honestly. Okay. Um, it depends on if the director has a very clear idea of what he wants. I've done a, a more modern production of La Boheme at the Opera House in Oslo with mm-hmm. the director, Stefan Herheim, who also had a very clear vision of what he wanted. And oftentimes it was very difficult because he would give that you know, clear description of what he wanted, then he'd see it on stage and he'd say, nope, that doesn't work, mm. you know. And so then we'd have to go back and play a little bit more and figure out what actually was going to work in that particular situation and then go on. Okay. And I think with every production I do, you find different things in the character that you didn't know before. The modern production of Bohem helped me find some of the humanity in Muzetta, while this Zaffarelli production of Bohem has really helped me find, like, the little devilish diva inside okay. of Muzetta. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's really fun, yeah. I bet. Well, you're listening to award-winning opera soprano Jennifer Rowley here on the Mulberry Lane Show. When we come back, she talks about what opera singers and Lady Gaga have in common. Keep it right here 